how is everyone? Good. It's so good to be here. Good to see you. Happy spring. We're almost there, uh, at least in, uh, in word. <laughs> in schedule. In schedule, yeah. It's coming. Um, we're talking about authenticity today, and we're also talking about what we require personally today. And, you know, years ago, I remember waking up from a nightmare, and um, I was with this old boyfriend. Uh, <laughs> I went, I, I, after my 11-year marriage, I went straight into a four-year relationship, which is a big no-no, as you know, and uh, very unhealthy, unhealthier. And how could it not be unhealthy because you know, I, there was no work done to, so I just took everything with and attracted something even more dicey. But <laughs> um, anyway, it was a nightmare, and I woke up, and I was so relieved to be, that, that, to know that it was a dream. And I remember that day that I had that, that I woke up, I said, I have put you, myself, into some really bad situations. And I will never do that to you again. And I'll never forget that. That was a personal requirement, something that I vowed and made a promise to myself that I would never do again. Anyone ever kind of say those words? <laughs> you know, it's all about, life is about getting to know ourselves and learning what it is that we require uh, along the way, what we really need to thrive and to grow. So before we go any further, though, I would like to go a little bit deeper and take a closer look at us, uh, ourselves. Anyone ever read The Soul's Code by uh, James Hillsman? Not familiar with that? Well, he presents us with the acorn theory which says that each of us comes into the world like an acorn as a seed idea of something unique that wants to be expressed. You know, just like the acorn comes in fully itself, and then it has the soil and the temperature and the wind and the sun all working with it to bring it into its full fruition. Well, the same is true for us. The soul of each of us has a unique daemon, he says, or an inner being. And before we are born, it has selected an image or pattern that is uh, going to be ours to live on Earth. And the soul companion or daemon guides us uh, along the way, and we forget all this, of course. And the entelechy, I like the word that Jean Houston uses. She wrote the foreword for the Science of Mind textbook, and she's, uh, uh, she's a heavyweight famous uh, in the human potential movement, entelechy, which originally was used, the word was used by Aristotle, so it's not a new word, but the entelechy remembers. The entelechy remembers. It knows. It doesn't forget. It's fascinating, isn't it, that thought? 
Plotinus, uh, the philosopher 2000, or 205 to 270 AD, explained the myth this way. We choose the body, the parents, the place, and the circumstances that best suits our souls and belong to its necessity, kind of like that acorn. We, we choose that, it's all, it's all set up. It is just a, a fascinating idea to me. And he goes on to give some examples. So we have this, uh, as a young boy, uh, we have, uh, his name is Manolete, Manolete, Mano born in Spain, 1917 to 1947. He was a sickly, delicate child, barely made it to age two, stayed indoors, had no interest in going out, only read and um, did some painting, clung to his mother's apron strings. They, they really didn't know what was gonna become of this guy. At the age of 11, he becomes fascinated with bulls, B-U-L-L-S, and goes on to become a famous bullfighter. Now, as a child, he had a lot to be sick about, thinking about, at some level, knowing that kind of a future. And maybe his daemon knew that it wasn't necessarily bullfighting, but it was gonna be something dangerous. It was gonna be something really huge. So the child wasn't ready for any of it, and until he grew up a bit and found something that he could get excited about, you know, things just were not happening. He was in that place. The second one is a significant English philosopher, R.G. Collingwood, 1889 to 1943. One day, he's eight years old, he goes into his father's study and he pulls off the book uh, Kant's Theory of Ethics by Immanuel, Immanuel Kant, the famous philosopher, and he starts to read it and he's getting very excited. And this is what he says, he says, I felt that, that things of the highest importance were being said about matters of the utmost urgency, things which at all costs I must understand but he didn't understand. But he knew somehow this was his business or a future self's business. The intelligence within him, that entelechy, demonstrated the father who gave him the environment in which he could have this experience and that curiosity, that superpower we talked about last month, made him reach for the book. And that was the beginning of his philosophizing himself. The third one is a renowned, a renowned uh, violinist, uh, Yehudi Menuhin, 1916 to 1999. He wanted to have a violin at the age of four. And uh, he even knew who he wanted as his teacher, someone that he had seen play, Louis Persinger. And his parents at the time, at the age of four, bought him a toy violin so that it could fit, he could 
you know, his hands could use it. He threw it down on the ground, started crying, and would have nothing to do with it. Nothing to do with it. Rebellious intolerance is a primary characteristic of acorn behavior. <laughs> that explains a lot, doesn't it? <laughs> Our genius is not bound by age or size or education or anything else. And we can't forget the women because it's in honor of Women's Month, the month of March. Prime Minister Golda Mayer 1898 to 1978, she led Israel during the 1973 war. She was launched forth by her daemon in fourth grade at the Milwaukee Public Schools, my hometown. She organized, at 11, she organized a protest group uh, against the required purchase of school books which were too expensive for the poor children and would deprive them of an education. And so she rented a hall to stage a meeting, raise funds, got her friends together, got her younger sister to recite a socialist poem in Yiddish, and then addressed the assembly, and her path was set. She was off to the races at the age of 11. The next one, Eleanor Roosevelt, 1884 to 1962, at the same age of 11, experienced so much loss, was depressed, stubborn, spiteful, threw temper tantrums in, the, in public, was antisocial. She compensated her hopeless feelings with fantasies that empowered her. So through her imagination, her calling acted as her teacher. So it was all behind the scenes. She went on to become, as you know, the first lady, a political figure, diplomat, and activist. And she was known as the longest serving first lady. Now in today's world, she would have been drugged heavily. <laughs> yes. Thought, you know, a mess. Not capable of any future. And yet, what was going on behind the scenes? What was going on behind the scenes? Some, something entirely go different. The acorn theory states that the roots of later superiorities, so superiorities showing up later, are buried in the early stages with that have inferiority. So short, uh, short, sickly, sad children are deprived of, de driven by the principle of compensation later to develop into strong characters. Mm -hmm. So just very fascinating. I think it's fascinating. You never know what's going on with someone. And we are so quick to judge. We are so quick to judge. Can you see how? misunderstood children really are, how misunderstood we were, how our parents didn't have a clue, how they didn't even know who they were, how they were misunderstood, and how misunderstood children are today 
with all the drugs that are being forced on them. And so you can see and understand how angry they might be. These strong, beautiful spirits coming into a world that doesn't have a clue. That's where we come in because, you know, we're here to love and support them. We understand them, and we understand them better after all this. So I share these stories because of that, and because, not because they were just born as geniuses, because we all were born as geniuses. That entelechy, that daemon, is within us. Wherever we land, in whatever country, whatever time, you know, whatever, you know, in the time of war, wherever we land, whatever period of time we came in, we came, come in as, with that genius material. We're incredible beings, aren't we? We're incredible. We go deep. We're so much more. There's so much more to us than we, we know, than we will ever know because we're infinite. Now, if we look at our own childhood, take a closer look, we might see some glimpses of the daemon in action, see that there was maybe some mission or some theme or some reason for the things happening the way that they happened. I can see the wheels churning. You're looking back. <laughs> and you might want to spend some more time there. You know, as we look closer, we might begin to see that there was kind of a setup going on and that things were a little bit more in our favor than we first thought. So now that we have a better idea of who we are, what do we do with all that? What do we do with that information? How can we better take care of ourselves? How can we remain true to ourselves? What do we require? What things are we uh, going to allow in our lives? What things are we no longer going to allow? You know, what things are we going to tolerate? What things are we not going to tolerate? What things are we going to require? Just like that promise that I made to myself. What is the promise that you're making to yourself? Because we have to love, honor, and respect ourselves first before we can expect anyone else to treat us that way with respect and honor and love. In my early days of ministry, a friend shared with me uh, a copy of The Covenant uh, created by Charles and Myrtle Fillmore, founders of Unity. And it was a covenant with God saying that in exchange for them being supported and taken care of, that they agreed to dedicate their life to their work and to making sure that people were living more greatly. When I heard that and I read that, I, I was just so impressed. I was like, I, I need one of those. I have to have that. It was like now in my 40s, I finally knew what I wanted to be when I grew up, and I really loved my work, and I required to be taken care of. If I was going to give it all out, I needed to be taken care of. And so I came up with my own version <clears throat> of which I am sharing with you today. And this is just part of it, <clears throat> but I'm saying, <clears throat> excuse me, I agree to be the fullest expression of spirit I came here to be. 
to come from the highest, most loving and abundant consciousness at all times, to love, respect, and value myself, my life, and my work, and to love, respect, and value others, their lives, and their work. To see the perfection of God in everyone and everything, especially in myself and my family. You might remember I mentioned that one last month. To bring my best love and attention to everyone and everything this day and every day. And then the universe agrees, because I put words in the universe's mouth. The universe agrees to love and support me and my family, to orchestrate our lives, to divinely place me and my family in the right and perfect situations where we experience the greatest ease, prosperity, and joy. So, this became my my guide for how to live. It was a game changer for me. And of course, the universe is going to do these things anyway. It was... I had to convince myself that that was being done and really trust that that was going to happen. So these were a reminder of my, what was mine to do every day and how I was going to show up to my day. Now some would say that requirements and, you know, boundaries and guidelines are, you know, they constrict us, they limit us, but they really free us because they help us to focus in on what is important. You know, all of the distractions and all of the other things get put by the wayside and we're free to be ourselves. Free to be ourselves. Free to take care of ourselves in a way that brings us dignity and honor. They help us define how our life goes which are very important things. So the more we love and honor and respect ourselves and take care of ourselves, you know what? The less we are concerned about others Mm -hmm. and what they're doing. We mind our own business. The less we're concerned. The more we know who we are and love and respect ourselves, there's less to say to others. There's less having to explain ourselves because they're picking up on who we are at an energetic level. And when we love, honor, respect ourselves and we have requirements, it gives others permission to do the same for themselves. They're saying, like I said, I want one of those. Or they say, she's requiring that. I want some of that. I had two unity ministers, because we have a unity minister in the crowd today, interestingly. Um, I had two unity ministers who were, um, one had been my sponsor originally, uh, but they lived in the neighborhood at one point. And one would uh, wake up in the morning and say, I require a day of silence. Mm -hmm. Well, you know what that means to the other person? they're going to get a day of silence, too. <laughs> but, you know, I was like, wow, you, you two. I didn't know that you could even require something like that in your home. <laughs> so <laughs> I was like, wow, I kind of like that idea. 
So, you know, ultimately we stop attracting unhealthy relationships and it cuts out so much drama that we can start taking our lives in a whole different direction. We, that's where it starts really getting fun. That's where it really, we start coming alive. In today's world, it's so easy to get distracted and confused and to lose your place. You know, we have more to say about how our life goes than we think. We are a power, a powerhouse. You know, spiritual practices and guidelines help us to remember who we really are. Sometimes we just, you know, with all that is going on, on so many different levels, we need that, that constant reminder of, who am I again? Yes, that's right. This is who I am. How could I forget? But I did. <laughs> I got caught up in it again. I fell for it again. I require to remember who I am. So I would like to personally invite all of you, anyone who's interested in going deeper um, into the practice of creating your own sacred covenant, I'd like you to invite uh, invite you to join me after the service at 12:15 in right here uh, for an hour to start working on your own sacred covenant. So you will have a good start on what that is today. If you're interested in staying, I'd love to work with you. And in closing, let's know this together. Let's know that we are. Oh, we are amazing, incredible, magnificent beings. And that we're just beginning to get an idea of who we are and what we have to work with and the resources within us, the rich wealth within ourselves. And we're just beginning to realize the setup how we come in as that beautiful acorn, fully, just full, full-blown us in that seed idea with everything set up to take us places we never dreamed possible. So we know and give thanks today for who we are, what we have come here to be, all the resources at our disposal, knowing that source, our infinite supply, this infinite intelligence, this entelechy within us knows the path, knows what to do, is divinely guiding us every step of the way. We are something so much more than we appear to be. And life is rich with possibility for which we are so grateful. Thank you, Spirit. Thank you, Source. Thank you, Universe. Thank you, God. I release this now knowing it is done. All is well. And please say with me, and so it is. Mm -hmm.